Legends of Andor, Celtic and Space Brothers. This is Staying In. Imagine me in the shower Oh, this morning. Brilliant. All right. So I'm in the shower and I'm doing the sorts of things that you would normally be doing in the shower. What, what's your, what's your um, shower mm. strat? Yeah. Are you water on first? Wait, go in. Hang on, hang on. Is there an option where there's not water on first? Oh, yeah. yeah. You can yeah, stand yeah. in it below the shower and then turn the water on. And- oh, yeah. I was thinking like, I, sorry, I was thinking like soap first and then water. Uh, <laughs> right, 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 right. Dry soap. That's what was confusing me. So you remember when we were at university, Sam, a guy we live with, he was on mm-hmm. halls um, on the seafront. And basically, the university accommodation came to him saying, look, we can either give you a showers in all your rooms or we give you internet. Because <laughs> all they had was one communal bath. And obviously, everyone chose internet. And our poor friend Craig, he had to attach this kind of, this hose pipe split into two other hose pipes that would go under the taps. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was how he showered. Well, in, in my halls in my first year, we we only had one communal shower between 10 people, I think. It's about the same for me. And uh, once um, a guy I was living with um, went to the shower and I, up, I'll, I'll, and, and I just went to him. I just knock on my door when he finished because I'd like to go in next. But some time passed and then enough time passed for me to think something's wrong. <laughs> so um so I knocked on I knocked on the door of the shower quite gently knocked on could hear the shower running but didn't hear anything and I thought all right okay let a man do what he wants to do oh. um and then so I saw him much later on in the evening and I was like are you are you okay what what was happening what was happening in there you were in there for an awful long time and he said no word of a lie Oh, I just, oh, I just fell asleep. <laughs> was it, Sam? Was his skin like incredibly wrinkled? <laughs> yeah, he's like an eighty-year-old man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, falling asleep in the shower, and and I had at that exact moment two contrasting feelings running through me. One going, "How on earth? What can you? Mm. Can you even?" And then the second one going, "That sounds lovely." Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> That sounds really nice. Because <laughs> it is like being inside a hot water bottle. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think I think we've spoken enough to scrub the image of Pete from our minds. Okay. So let's put it back in there. All right. So imagine me in the shower. Yeah. There it is again. And um, I'm doing my stuff. And um, I hear this. Uh... Which wall is that coming from? So this is on the door. <laughs> All right. Door. Okay. Good. Yeah. I was like. <laughs> the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> the floor. Yeah, right. <laughs> And I'm like, hmm. And I was like, maybe I just imagine it. And I heard, I was like, oh, okay. So, Insistence. I, so I jump out of the shower and obviously I'm, you know, I'm not dressed or anything like that. So I open the door <laughs> and I, I look out the door and I look directly into Alex's eyes. And then I look down at her hands into the eyes of a magpie. And then I look back up into her eyes and I say, what's going on? um and um and and she said she said oh a cat was attacking a magpie i was like okay and so i ran out and i separated them i was like (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. what's going on here what's going on here like you separate a pair of drunks oi 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 oi. (laughs) and um and then and i was like right and she said and so I've, i've brought it in I was like, I can see that. <laughs> um, One for sorrow. I was about to say, when did you did you salute it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so I was like, right, okay. Uh, well, you know, and then immediately went into, okay, well, we need to get a box. We need to, you know, make sure that mm-hmm. it's okay and all that sort of stuff and figure out what we're going to do next. I said, okay, um, well, I need to, uh, I need to um, get out of the shower then. She was like, I know. I was like, okay. I was like, I don't have any clothes in here and she was like she was like no that's no i know i was like okay now one thing that people should know about my home is that but i have a hallway <laughs> mr Lardy da i know 
Uh, and then on one side, the uh, let's say, for example, you're coming in through the front door. On one side, the left-hand side, is the bathroom. And on the right-hand side is uh, my, the, my bedroom. And in the middle, of course, is that eponymous hallway and the front door, which was left wide open because she obviously couldn't put the bird down because there was no box or anything like that. So I was like, could you, could you shut the door? And she was like, no, no, I can't. No, I can't. I can't shut the door. I was like, right. I mean, I mean, it's my first thought here is whenever I go to the shower, I don't necessarily take clothes with me. Mm-hmm. But there's always one item that I would always take with me to the shower, which would have yeah. come in very helpful here. So why was right. your first thought not, yeah. let's go get this large towel, which will cover all of my kind of bits? So it was a pressure situation, Dan. <laughs> is this is this revealing some hidden truth? Because whenever any of us mm. go to each other's houses, yeah. when, when I go and visit Dan or yeah. I go and visit Chris, yeah. you know, the first thing they say... Oh, don't worry about bringing your towel. Yeah, yeah, we've got plenty. Don't worry. Pete doesn't say that. No. Whenever we go to Pete's, it's always, yeah, bring your own bedding and towels. <laughs> yeah. So bring your own stuff. I, I'm wondering whether... Do we have any towels? Is that, is that your question? Oh, God. He just uses, he just uses a shower curtain, doesn't he? I think you have one towel. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I use the T-shirt from the day before. Um, the, so, so I have to run... In 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 my crackers, basically, uh, it to. Uh, no, seriously, why do you not have a towel in the shower? Because I didn't think about that, Dan. In hindsight, <laughs> now I'm telling that story. That does seem like a reasonable thing I should have done. <laughs> hindsight is twenty twenty, Dan. I didn't, and uh, it was very cold as well this morning. So excuses, excuses, excuses. Yeah. yeah. Um. And uh, so anyway, uh, that all happened, and then at the end of it all. Uh, we uh, put a this magpie into a box, um, and then uh, we took it to the vets because it turns out uh, this is a PSA. Turns out that all vets in the United Kingdom have essentially the equivalent of the Hippocratic Oath, but for mm-hmm. animals. And if you take a wild animal to a vet, they have to look after it, and then they bill the RSPCA. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And had you at that point? got a towel or something oh yeah i was fully clothed by this oh, point right. yeah, yeah yeah i didn't think the vets would be particularly um wow gosh thrilled at that idea what about the cat the cat so the cat was scared off um by by nude pete yeah well i'll leave that to your imagination if you like um but um the cat was scared off and don't need to google that <laughs> are cats afraid of (laughs) sausages Uh, yeah exactly and uh cold (laughs) cold small cocktail sausages in the in the last episode i was Mm. i was very very kindly serenaded Mm -hmm. mm-hmm Mm. I mean, it's, it was a, it was a serenading that I didn't necessarily enjoy, um, <laughs> but but alas, I was indeed serenaded, and so it it feels like it's my responsibility that the <laughs> next time serenading is required, that perhaps I should kind of take on the baton and uh, and and kind of get the band back together, so to speak. And mm-hmm. funnily enough. Mm. That time has already come. Oh, wow! Because it would appear. I don't. I mean, I don't know if you guys are aware that in the in the in the long time between last episode and this episode, someone mm. else's birthday has come and gone. So, <sighs> I'd like to ask you, Pete, and you, yep, Chris, hi. to mm. kind of get get your. Mm. That's right. Get your kind of your instruments in in working order. Mm. Uh, I I will Ooh. try and lead you. In um, serenading our our good friend Mr. Turner here, yes. Um, if you if you if Chris, if you want to try and get your get the note, get your Zoom thinking it's playing music. If we can all get Zoom thinking we're playing music, that would be great. Already done. Uh, brilliant. Already so done. Um, so uh, what, I mean, I don't know what what note do you want to start with. Um, right I think that's this, this one's okay. Right down here, down. <laughs> <laughs> we go. We going for the. We going for the low. Do we want to harmonise at all? Many more. No, not at all. <laughs> Just go straight into it, Paul. Yeah. So, so in a in a 
<laughs> in an interesting twist, we're going for the um, we're going to go for the happy birthday dirge. Yep. Um, <laughs> well, you've called it a serenade. I didn't know that's what I've been doing for years, serenading people. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's okay, do this. So okay. Are you ready? Right. Okay. Yep. Sam, mm. this is for you. Three, two, <clears throat> one. Happy birthday, birthday to, to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Sam. I've just walked into like a Franciscan monk's yeah. parlor. Very Gregorian yeah. chanting. Yeah, that's them. That's them. Christmas Day. Every- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Lord will be pleased. Um, <laughs> so, happy birthday, Sam! You you've had a birthday since we last since we were last gathered together. I did have a birthday. How did you celebrate that fine fine March day? Oh, it was incredible. I had the best day. It was it was superb. Obviously, it was a little bit different to last year, but last year I drank two pints of Guinness and then laughed so hard playing monikers that I farted in front of my parents-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, good. What a day. How do you top that? <laughs> so, uh, so I was glad that... That um, circumstances <laughs> meant that at least in this instance I could press mute. <laughs> Should any of those <laughs> instances arise? Playing music. Yeah, play. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I had um, an absolutely um, a lovely weekend actually. Yeah, you don't do just the one day, do you? You always try and stretch it out. No, uh, the queen. No, no, it's still it's still going on really. Uh, Boxing Day today. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Um, uh, yeah, so fortunately, circumstances mean that um, Chris and I are able to meet safely under current UK COVID guidelines. Mm-hmm. So um, the day before my birthday, I was able to go on his. And I have to say, I had the most relaxing games session that I've had in a long time. For some reason, just hit upon a core trilogy of games that were very, very chilled out we played we started off with legends of andor which we've nearly completed yeah and that is oh that game's so much fun and uh then we played a great western trail plus expansion and that was lots of fun gorgeous it's always fun being a cowboy Mm -hmm. and and chris (laughs) chris made right for for i don't know when this started but for some reason every time that me and chris get together of an afternoon we we started off making fish finger sandwiches and slowly they've become more and more home brewed in yeah. a way. It's escalation. Yeah. So it, first off, it like started off with plain bird's eyes in a, you know, slab of white bread and that was it. A bit of mayo. And and it's escalated to the point now where Chris <laughs> cooked a whole fillet of fish. Each. <laughs> homemade tartar sauce. Inside a genuine Greek wrap from Greece. <laughs> yeah, that's not a fish finger sandwich anymore. And that's what I mean, Dan. It's oh. we we are going other places. Who knows where this is? <laughs> where this is going to end up? I mean, he's thirty-five. <laughs> that's true. Um, and then we we capped off that particular afternoon by playing Carcassonne, and then preparations really kick in for the big day. You know, back home, nice and early, a uh, good bit of rest. One last feel of the presence, um, and then and then we're just you know just settling down, trying to, trying to get as much sleep as possible. But it is difficult. It's exciting. I love the fact that is that the it's difficult to get sleep, not because you have a sixth month old, because Sam no. like a, like a child is so excited he can't sleep. Yeah, yeah, Hugo's like he was out for the count from out eight o'clock. Yeah. Didn't wake up until seven the next morning. So I was like, come on, wake up. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Dad! <laughs> yeah. 
So um, for not wanting to go into too fine a, fine a detail in terms of like everything that happened in the day, we had a lovely morning. Uh, I had a pan of chocolat with some tea in a bed and um, then we went down and opened presents and I got some absolute crackers this year. Um, I got a nice new coat. My my dad, every year we love to play what is Sam's dad going to get him game. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where Dan pulled this out of the hat, but he actually guessed it absolutely right on the money. I literally could, I could not have been more right. Yes. he uh, Dan just said, oh, it's beer tokens and that. And then there was beer tokens. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> um, and then Wavelength, board game of the day. Can't wait to play that. Mm-hmm. Wolfgang Warsh. The guys who made monikers. Right. There will soon be an unboxing on our Instagram feed, but I have given up social media for my birthday, which is my new tradition. Mm-hmm. So who knows when that will go up, whenever I feel like it. And um, then, of course, uh, you three kind gentlemen were kind enough to pull some resources time. together. Sorry, I was leaving you guys to last, really. Mm. Um, and you were kind enough to buy me a brand new Kindle, mm. Generation 10. And it's... Marvellous. It's wonderful. Thank you very much. Now, uh, the listeners to the podcast may remember, maybe like two episodes ago, <laughs> you talking on the podcast about getting books for your Kindle. Now, what Sam wouldn't mm. have known is that as he said that, very quickly, a text message went around us saying, oh, shit. <laughs> what have we done we've already bought this thing and we were like it's okay he did ask for it it was on his bespoke Amazon wish list he did ask it. He did. Yes. We, we knew what he wanted maybe he wants a dual screen setup just like <laughs> oh. so I don't have to turn pages anymore just do that. Um, I do and I still do own a, a, a second Kindle and I will we do have plans for that um, <laughs> sounds like you're going to plant it and grow another Kindle yeah <laughs> But unfortunately, uh, Amazon, a bit like Apple, believe in planned obsolescence. So um, my previous Kindle was failing ever so slightly. I like the idea of a failing Kindle. It just misses out every other word. Yeah. <laughs> it was also slightly too big to hold with one hand. Oh. And I mostly like read my Kindle now in bed and when I'm with Hugo. So part of his bedtime routine is usually I will listen to an audio book. We're currently reading The Name of the Wind together, and also I've been reading Legends of the Condor Heroes to him as well, um, which he's been thoroughly enjoying. The Name of the Wind was that came up was in that game of monikers of your parents-in-law, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what's, he, what's his favourite bit about it, Sam? What, about the books? Yeah. Just my voice, <laughs> really. Bit conceited, but there we are. Yeah. Um, and so being able to hold it with one hand and like turn the pages is is crucial. So yeah. the important thing about the Kindle that you guys generously gave me was that it's small enough for me to now hold in one hand. The the screen is also sharper and clearer, uh, which should help with the manga that I've got. Nice. And also, Amazon have started a new thing now where you can link Amazon accounts. So you can have like a Prime account for a household. Hmm. So um, so rather than me having to log into my wife's Amazon account to get stuff on Prime, like I can just have it all on my account now and I don't have to switch between the two. But the th- thing that also that does is that it's linked together our Kindle purchases. So now oh, I can cool. read all the books that she's got and she can read all the books, not that she would want to because she's not interested in, you know, a uh, what is essentially the Chinese Lord of the Rings, as it's called in this country. Um, But so this is the great plan with the second Kindle is that when they're going to put that in Hugo's room, if we have to get up and do overnight feeds, we've both got something there that is synced to both our current Kindles so we can pick up and read read, read books as as, as we're doing it. So, you know, it's pretty much the present for all seasons and i couldn't be i couldn't be happier with it so thank you thank you very much and then and then in the evening chris popped around again and um we did a big sort of we didn't have a quiz we had a games night on on zoom so we got some friends together and we played pictionary and we played (laughs) um can you read my wife's lips where she said a word and we had to guess what we were saying. And and it's surprisingly a lot more fun and hilarious than you probably think. Okay. And we also played uh, an online sort of... Homebrew version? Self-homebrewed version of um, Codenames, which is, if you go to Horst Paste, 
horsepaste.com. There is basically, you can play code names very easily with lots of people over multiple devices. And it makes playing code names really easy with a bunch of people um, mm. online. And like my wife was saying, like today, Zoom quizzes are fun, but everyone has to be silent for a long majority of the time. Yeah. But what's great about Pictionary, code names, um, games like that is that you're always talking things through and you're always talking and, and doing stuff as part of a team. It felt a lot more collaborative. So as like a good party thing it was really it was it was so much fun that was great and we had a great time yeah felt really blessed and had a genuinely really nice day and drank more beer than i probably should have done that's all right because you got tokens for more i did that thing where Sam reminded me that a game that is quite a hot property and quite difficult to get a hold of had come back on the market and I panic bought it mm. even without without thinking whether I actually should be buying it right now. Oh, you should. Oh, yeah. Micro Macro Crime City, a game I've really, really wanted to play just because it's mm. really... And I will be talking about it. And maybe I will do an unboxing, but it will be literally me opening up a gigantic piece of paper. Oh, do. You should do like an unboxing and like the first... Oh, yes. That's a good idea. I knew that would be your thing because it's kind of like the step up from doing a jigsaw. Yeah. And also... It has that Where's Wally-esque. Mm. Oh, I love Where's Wally as a kid. It's such a lovely sort of decorative piece as well that, you know, as someone who is currently like, is able to have like a board game sort of semi-permanently set up on your table to have that sort of on display is going to be really nice. And I'm hoping that that game that I forced upon you will possibly join into the ranks of one of our famed award-winning um, categories. Obviously, we don't do the usual, like, oh, best adventure game and best who's a what's That's it too easy. on the show. Too easy. We have wonderful categories like games to read to, you know, games that you can read a book to, which features such lovely things as Truck Driver. Mm. So you said that, and Pete just immediately kind of drifted back to a time when he was playing Truck Driver, <laughs> listening to audiobooks. Oh, so he went to his happy good. place. More of that, please. More from that series, please, Sadesco. The most, the most populated categories: breakfast games, King Domino, Hey, That's My Fish, The Duke. Yeah, those kind of classics. Um, our newest category is uh, lunch break games, Minecraft. I think. Yeah. There's, there's stuff to talk about with that, I think, in, in a future episode, I think. <laughs> we'll come back to that. We, we, we will. We haven't, we haven't got, this, this, this is a jam-packed episode. We haven't got time for it today, <laughs> but... All right, okay, sorry. And um, the other category we've got we, is, is games to be served with tea. Mm. So, you know, kind of games that... Hmm, they're not going to be essentially very arduous, but you're going to be sitting down and just having a nice, relaxing time with someone else. So currently on there, things like Railroad Inc., uh, Memoir 44, mm. uh, Old Man Journey. Isn't one of the uh, isn't one of the uh, requirements of a game to have a cup of tea with that the kind of the length of time it takes you to drink the cup of tea is the length of time to play the game? Is that not a requirement of the genre? Mm, no, because mileage varies with tea. Because I have to wait 15 minutes before I can even take a sip of my tea. I mean, that's odd. I've got a very sensitive palate. No, you haven't. It's just been destroyed by years of acid. <laughs> yeah, come on. Sort of it's acidic damage. That's what I mean, it is. I've got a very sensitive mm. tongue. Uh, <laughs> You've burnt it with vinegar. On my birthday, we were lucky enough to play Between Two Castles of Mad King Ludwig, which I really enjoyed. It's a massive um, improvement on Castles of Mad King Ludwig. And... My wife commentated that, oh, this is a this is this is very very relaxed and chilled. It's a lot like that other game that we played. And that other game was called Celtic, uh, which is from Pegasus Spiel, and it was kindly sent to us by Plastic Soldier Company. Mm-hmm. And Celtic is kind of an odd an odd game because it it l- doesn't really look like the game you're expecting it when you unpack everything from the box like it comes with this like huge board which even on on my new bigger table kind of takes up quite a massive proportion of it and it has this wonderful uh sort of green verdant germanic landscape on it then it has all these like discs 
on it, like these, these circular pieces of art, and inside all these discs, there's 50 of them, it depicts a certain element of Celtic life. So there's like sheep on there, or a, or a um, or like a honeypot, or maybe like some, like a loom, or maybe like a, a picture of a cave, like different locations or different animals you'd find in different fields and all this kind of stuff. And it's all dotted over this map. The only other thing that com- sort of components that that are on the table are stacks of cards, um, each laid out at the edges of the, the board. And then everyone gets a pack of like, I say a pack because they look a little bit like Jolly Ranchers, um, <laughs> like these sort of really brightly coloured neon style like discs that represent their like Celtic family and they pile them up high in this massive tower and they all start off in the central Celtic village and like that's it like that's a setup and the aim of the game is basically everyone has these objective cards and they've got to like you can move two spaces so move up to two discs and you just take as many things as you want and you plonk them down you move them when you've got a disc on each one of the locations on the card You go, right, I've collected all those things, I get 15 points, I move back to the thing, and you carry on going. Then the other thing you can do is you can visit the outskirts of the board and you can collect, like, um, specific, like, trade goods, which are a bit more expensive, and at the end of the game, like, those get totted up, and if you have lots of those, you'll get more points at the end of the game. And it, like, feels like this very simple sort of set collection game and and sort of like a objective game where everyone's just going around doing their own little thing um and like collecting all their bits and bobs to fulfill the the meets and requirements of these cards but actually what it is is and this is going to sound a bit more like a contradiction in terms i think but it it really is a very relaxed competitive racing experience like the game is exceptionally unbalanced but in a way that fosters this feeling of competitiveness and tension around the table Mm. that means that you're you're always playing it wondering what the other players around the table are going to be doing and it does this in a variety of ways first of all there's two different types of objective cards. There's ones that are worth 20 points and the ones that are worth 15. The ones that are worth 15 points, you only need to go to two locations. The one that are worth 20, you only need to go three. So there's not a massive sort of extra bit of mechanical stuff you need to do as a player to actually achieve that and get more points. But it's potluck whether you get those 20-point cards. So you could get a whole hand of 20-point cards and immediately you're, you've got an advantage over all the other players on the board. In a gameplay terms... That's remarkably unfair. As soon as as soon as you complete your fifth objective, the game ends. Um, <laughs> as soon as you gather at least one of all the seven things around the edge of the board, you can then decide when to end the game. And <laughs> the other twist of the game is that when someone else moves, if one of your counters is also on their board, you can move with them. So essentially you're following a family around around this around this land gathering stuff up so it feels always slightly unfair because someone just might have more points and objective cards than you do just by luck someone could just where you're going around collecting all the high value stuff just end the game at any point by quickly doing objectives at any time someone could just piggyback off what you're trying to do and get to places much quicker than much quicker than you can just by sort of luck and it i think me and you chris we played it first off and i think we both sort of bounced off it a little bit but the more i've played it the more i've seen that inherent imbalance into it as actually its virtue and it actually becomes a real tense encounter of right they've completed four objectives so what do I do? Do I rush now to get my other objectives complete or do I do I have time to go and do the other stuff I want to do to kind of maximise my score or do I try and end the game quickly so they don't actually complete the objective that they want to do? And the amount of second guessing the game gets you to do and the amount of sort of that analysis of what players around the table are doing 
makes it really exciting. And the amount of times I've played this game stood up with a mug of tea, both me and my wife there just stood up around the table because all you do on a turn is move two things. That's all you do is you move two things. Have I completed an objective? Yep. Bring them back. Move two things. Go. Move two things. And it's so snappy and fast-paced. And it's... It really is... It feels like it's badly designed, but I... And I'm sort of second-guessing myself in, like, describing all these mechanics that usually I would say are sort of mechanically defunct, but I think it's a genuinely... It might just be genuinely well-designed to to create that sort of atmosphere between mm-hmm. the players. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit like... Now, go with me with this metaphor, Sam. Mm. But three of us here are from the kind of Birmingham area, the West Midlands kind of area. Okay. Now, listener, can you tell which ones are and which one is not? <laughs> um, so, you know, if, if you go to Cadbury's World, you can get like a packet, or at least you could get, I don't know if you can now, of the the, pa- the packet of the misshapen chocolates. <laughs> they taste great. Yeah. Um, but they, for whatever reason, they can't package them because they don't look like the others. So you get this wonderful yes. bag of misshapen Cadbury's pieces, which taste amazing. They somehow taste better because they're slightly different, slightly unique, even though ostensibly it's the same flavor as what you've had before. Something about that combination together is mm-hmm. just great. It feels like a real treat as a consequence. It shouldn't work, but it really, really does. Yeah. And, and, and there's also, there's sometimes when you get misshapes where you bite into them, they look great, but they've just not been filled. So they're solid chocolate all the Ooh. way through. Um the other thing that it feels like in that in that sort of regard, it definitely feels like a game that skews to a younger crowd. Mm-hmm. I think it definitely feels like a real a, a a competitive family game that shares that same competitive streak that something like you know Game of Life has, or you know Monopoly has, yep. or something like that, where it sort of captures that same competitive feeling of a family board game but it feels a bit more grown up. It feels a lot more like a little bit of a stepping stone between something that, you know, might be a bit more advanced on top of it because because the actual mechanics of play are so simple. You're just moving and collecting. And and I feel in that regard, when I say it's a family game, it can also be sped up and slowed down according to the people that you're playing with as well. Mm-hmm. So for when me, Chris and my wife are playing it, it's a lot much more of a, a snappy experience mm-hmm. where we're going like, who's sort of gambling on who's going to like finish the game immediately or can I take those risks and reward whereas if you're playing it with younger people or maybe even more older people it's a game that could really be slowed down and enjoyed just for that experience of taking those steps and completing those objectives and that being experience and both being valid ways of play so it's really interesting I think the thing that this kind of speaks to is something I've been thinking a a fair bit about recently, which is this idea that there are certain mechanics that fall in and out of being kind of chic. Every once in a while, if you follow any hobby, really, um, it feels a little bit like, oh, this is the cool thing at the moment, and this other thing over here, oh, that doesn't work anymore, or we don't like that anymore, or that Mm. doesn't have any value anymore. And from, from the way that you're describing it, it sounds like a game that uses a bunch of mechanics that we've kind of just kind of go, ah, well, we don't want to deal with those anymore. Or, oh, that's designed in a way that feels really unbalanced um, yeah. and, and that kind of stuff. And actually, I think there's a lot of value in going back to old mechanics that we've kind of given up on now, right? So uh, I think it was, uh, is his name Eric Lang, the, the yeah, Eric board Lang, game yeah. designer? Yeah. Um, I believe Eric was talking uh, on something uh, recently where he was talking about a, a roll and move game. And how yeah. it was actually a really cool mechanic, whatever it was that they were working on. But Roll and Move has kind of got this, oh, that's not cool. We don't like the, those kinds of games anymore. But it feels like maybe there's something that interesting still within that. And like from, from our experience with something like um, Basic Fantasy, for example, the RPG that we played, that's a game mm-hmm. that is not balanced at all. And most designers will tell you you need to balance games because otherwise it's unfair for people and xyz but actually that game's not balanced and it's it 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 intentionally is not so because it wants you to feel really up against it at all times same with um uh the game that you like and i can't stand arkham horror the card game um like (laughs) like i feel like constantly with that game it feels like it's really stacked against you but actually, for some people, that's really cool. And also, thematically, that works really well because 
that's kind of the Lovecraftian vibe that you're trying to get. And I think it's really interesting that you're playing a game that's like, it, it almost feels like it shouldn't work, but it does. Yeah. And therefore, mm-hmm. that's worth investigating further. I'm very interested, uh, Sam, in you saying... Mm. Yeah. Um, oh, no. As a man of distinction... Real big spender. That you're going to be <laughs> reading some manga on your yes. Kindle. Now, do you know <laughs> which manga will you be reading on your Kindle? I... Um, sixteen percent through yeah. Ghost in the Shell. Oh, which one? Ooh. The the original. The I think it's the original. I think so. Cool. Sounds good. Volume one. Oh, okay. Uh, by Sherelle Misamune. Yeah, yeah. I like the I idea. Think. I like the idea that we're replacing. I'm on page this or I'm on chapter this with. I am sixteen <laughs> percent. Oh yeah! Oh, I love that bit. Oh, you've just got to. Uh... <laughs> oh, you wait till thirty-two. Oh my goodness! Well, it's funny with books. I'm always like, I'm always like, oh, I read a really long book recently. Yeah, it was fifteen hours long because <laughs> it's an audio book, obviously. Um, yeah, it was, it was massive. Um, now, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't know about if you're the maybe Dan. You're a secret manga fan and, and a super super high end manga fan, and you're like. Oh my goodness, this is going to be very, very offen- offensive. Can you imagine if I was and I'd hidden it from you all, all this time? And this would be the moment be I reveal the reveal of the decade. Um, so, um, like most things, like any genre, any medium, anything like that, most manga is rubbish. Like, I really find it difficult to find really good manga. And now, now that is the same with video. Most video games... I don't care about. I haven't got time for most of them. Most comics, most uh, films. Uh, the vast majority of things that get made are fine or bad, whatever. But some of them are really great. The thing I find really difficult with manga specifically, finding the really good stuff, is the kind of manga that I like is not stuff like um, Naruto and Dragon Ball and Love Heiner <laughs> and all of that stuff. Because... Because I got into manga when I was like nineteen, twenty, like basically, and I didn't want to read like those kinds of comics because I kind of feel like they're a young. Uh, I mean, I mean, literally, the genre is 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 called young man, basically. Oh, young man. young man. Uh, the uh, <laughs> it's interesting that you went to that, and I went to uh, Harry Enfield and Chubbs, isn't it? Chris is making an all singing, all dancing episode. Yeah, yeah right. This is great, but but like. The the thing with that is that they are so they are uh, I think it's called shonen and it literally means young young men's manga right or boys manga or whatever it is and that's fine it's just that it's not it's not aimed at people like me so therefore discovery is actually quite hard for me because it's it's like where do you begin because somebody goes oh yeah you want to read thirty books of Naruto all right and then you start reading you're like oh no this is rubbish mm-hmm. I found it really difficult to. Like, find a way in. Yeah. And the only reason I picked Ghost in the Shell was that I saw the first half of that Scarlett Johansson film, and I was like, mm, this seems, like, kind it, of interesting. This sounds like if it was in the right hands, it would be good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so, um, so I find recommendations quite difficult, and therefore I find manga quite, uh, quite challenging to find. However, once I found a few authors, that was the point at which I was like, huh, okay, these few authors I really like and I tend to kind of stick with them. So a good example of this is Tezuka, who is famous for Astro Boy, um, but Mm -hmm. also uh, Blackjack, which is a little bit more grown up than that. Um, And then in the the kind of middle period of Tezuka's life, uh, went into some quite grown up stuff, uh, did an eight book series on the life and times of the Buddha, uh, did a, a book about some really mad stuff with books like Apollo Song and MW, and they're all brilliant, and they are all very adult manga, not but not the other adult manga that you might be thinking of right now. Um, and um, so I've got a recommendation for you, Sam, because I found another series that I absolutely love. Um, so mm-hmm. it is a series called Space Brothers. Um, so this actually was nominated, I believe, for the Tezuka Award, and I was like, aha. And this is by, and I'm totally going to pronounce the name wrong, I do apologise, uh, Chuya Kuyama, I think. Um, it's published by Kodansha, uh, which is a Japanese publisher, and I believe they have an American arm that publishes over here. I actually got this in a humble bundle, along with a load of other stuff that I didn't really like. 
So Space Brothers is... God, this has been the thing I have spent all of my time on recently when I've actually, like, sort of sat down and focused on doing nice stuff for myself. Um, it is a currently, I want to say, 36, 38, maybe, volume series that is ongoing. It is massive. It is not an easy undertaking. Um, and each volume is eight chapters of the story, and each volume contains 200-plus pages. So there are a lot of pages to, to read. What the artist and writer did with Space Brothers is basically takes their time. They take the time telling this story. And the story is about um, two brothers, funnily enough, two Space Brothers. Um, and they are called... He pauses for effect. Uh, and they're called uh, Mutter Nanba... Uh, and uh, he also has a brother called Hibito. And basically, they... Very early on in the story, you are told that they have this dream of going to space and specifically standing on the moon together. Going to the moon together. Um, and this is set in late... I think it's 2026 that it uh, uh, kicks off. 2027, 20, maybe. Um, and so it is very near future... And uh, it's set primarily between Japan and America, um, between JAXA and uh, NASA, uh, you know, JPL and, um, and all of those sorts of places. Um, and it kind of explores these characters, their kind of history, how they grew up, um, people around them that were influential and really important. So there's an aunt in there that's very, very important. Um kind of the embarrassment of parents they explore a little bit uh, because their parents are fine they're just a bit sort of a strange blend of supportive and unsupportive um now this whole thing is a um i don't, I don't think it's like quite slice of life but it's kind of slightly comedy slightly drama but most important of all and this genuinely is like um a thing that i love about it it kind of feels like a Tom Clancy novel, <laughs> um, oh, but about oh space. Because, because the thing is, I get the feeling that Kiyama really, really understands the history of space. Because the detail that they go into about this is what Orion is. Like, the, this is what the, the you know, um, the, 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 you know, capture Orion actually is, and what it's what it's about. This is the history of JAXA. This is the uh, which is the Japanese space agency. This is um, what happens at which base in NASA. This is how an astronaut gets trained. This is how they test their astronauts. These are real conditions that the astronauts come down with. I am now, <laughs> unbelievably, sixteen books into the into the series. Wow. Have they got to space yet? So um, one of them hasn't. Um, and, uh, and okay, well, don't ruin it because I'm just I'm just looking at the. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 it's a rhetorical question, but yeah. But but the <laughs> thing is that it's kind of set up from the beginning, right? That 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 you oh. know that this that this one character hasn't uh, or won't for a while, um, and it's brilliant. It is it is really funny. It is um, it doesn't rely on you know any of the things that are immediate turnoffs for me, like. I mean, the number one thing that I absolutely hate is fan service, which is like um, basically sort of slightly lurid shots of ladies. I, I, that just immediately turns me off. I'm just like, why? Why was this needed? Um, yeah, I read a I read a manga about a re, uh, a reincarnated Sherlock, but he's a dog and a child that finds him, and they still manage to get a panty shot in. And I was like, what are you doing? The dog. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I, I read I read a I read a manga the other day that was about an alligator and like um some I don't know like a dog or a cow or something like that and they go around Japanese famous Japanese restaurants and they still managed to do a like top view of someone's bust and I was like why have you done this um anyway Space Brothers doesn't bother doing any of that sort of stuff it just focuses on a really good drama. Um, that still has some of that manga um, visual iconography, like you know, uh, you know, small amounts of um, like sweat rolling down somebody's face when they're really mm -hmm. uh, nervous. But they, it's done in a very subtle way. It's never super over the top. It's really approachable, and it's really interesting about how 
space works basically how how somebody is trained to be uh, to be um part of a space program and yeah i i, I absolutely amazing like i say 16 times 200 pages i'm now in and it is and it has it has been consistently excellent gosh you've you've sold me on it definitely well what i'm doing now is i'm on amazon so here's the thing here's my top tip yeah get book one oh clever if you you like book one it is 200 pages it is it you will you will know very quickly whether or not it is for you because it doesn't really change in terms of tone or quality throughout the rest of it, unlike uh, you know some manga that I've read. And if you jibe, if you really jibe with it, then you'll then you'll really enjoy the rest. Um, that it's two hundred. Then it's two hundred and sixty nine pounds for all thirty eight. Yeah. So don't 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 go full willing. Don't don't do a peak. <laughs> don't do three hundred quid's worth of manga, Sam. Right. Okay. I'll- God, oh, this! I feel like the pressure's really if on. You've inhaled three hundred quid's worth of manga in such a short period of time. You'll just your world will be manga. Everything yeah. around you. Yeah, will yeah, be. absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I'll think. I think you've definitely sold the first. The first volume is six quid on. Get the first yeah, one. Give yeah, it a yeah. go. See what it's yeah. like. And also, we've got another um, thirty-six years worth of birthdays we can buy for you now, knowing. <laughs> <laughs> So Sam alluded to earlier that uh, we we had been chipping away mm-hmm. in a really nice measured manner in the same way that, Dan, when you got married, we all got a bottle of whiskey and I spent several years drinking that because it was really good whiskey. Mm. And I really yeah, I didn't want to rush it, good. didn't want to binge it. I mm. was slowly savouring it. And Legends of Andor from Cosmos and mm. a designer and artist, so a Tufa, Michael Menzel, has been my equivalent of that whiskey down. I've weaned myself off your whiskey when I finished that and on to this game, which <laughs> for me, it, for me, it is like a cozy sitting around the fireside of a tavern kind of game. It's not a cozy mm. game by any chance. Like it is sprawling. You cover this wonderful rich land of Andor, beautifully illustrated by Menzel. But it feels like you know, like, I don't know how to really describe it, really. Like, did you ever watch a cartoon when you were a kid in the 90s called Prince Valiant? Yes. It, it, do, you, do you see what I mean, Sam? It's that kind mm-hmm. of nice fantasy. It's not like Game of Thrones. It's almost like the antithesis of that. It, it's, you know, we've spoken about this. I think Andor's problem is that it looks like it's like this high fantasy, yeah. sprawling adventure. But really, it's it's not. It's actually a really nice, relaxed puzzle game it's really lovely and that's why i mentioned the whole fireside thing because Mm -hmm. you have a piece in it which is just called the narrator and that that idea of being sat around a fireside telling stories every time i set it up even if there's an understanding that okay we may lose this game i still get giddy of excitement i look like one of those kids on you know the adverts on saturday morning you know oh from you know hasbro or these kind of toy companies (laughs) there's something about putting it on the table and that sense of us, you know, me and Sam or whoever around the table, well, it's just me and Sam, I'm not going to lie, sitting around the table and going, oh, here's Andor. Yeah. Okay, where are we going to go to next? What is our quest going to be? Mm. And we've been, we've, I've wanted to talk about it for ages, but we wanted, I wanted to wait until we'd flip the board to the other side. Oh, yeah. For mission four. So to give you an idea of like what you do in Andor. Right. Well, I was about to get to that, but yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. One of the, <laughs> one of the most... Um, one of the like sort of basic missions is that in the top left-hand corner of the board, you've got the castle of Andor. It's called um, Reitberg, Reitberg Castle. And um, you're tasked as like heroes, as like this, this band of heroes, very traditional sort of fantasy style heroes, like the wizard and the, and the dwarf and the elf mm-hmm, and the traditional mm-hmm. sort of warrior that you have to go out and find um, like these special herbs because the king is ill. The king, by the way, is called Brandor. Brandor and Andor. I love that the fact is like Brandor of Andor. That's pretty that. good. But, but whilst you're going out finding these herbs, there are these like orc-style creatures who are slowly advancing onto the castle. And if a certain amount of them are able to like breach the castle walls, then you lose the game. So there's this... The, the game always has this very clear delineation of... Like someone's got to go out and do this quest, but someone else has got to stay here and defend defend the castle from from the bad people. Yeah, and that's kind of roughly 
how the game works and as I said before, like you start off thinking like it's like this peppy adventure, but really it's a puzzle game of working out like where the effort needs to go and like how you actually need to break down your turns in order to maximize essentially what happens. Yeah. Like sometimes you have to let bad people into the castle because you know you're not going to be able to complete the objective otherwise. So it's got this wonderful like puzzly esque sort of balance to it that when you finally crack it, it feels really like joyous. It's great, and I like that sense. As Sam says, this this there's almost something turn based about it. If you like Castle Panic, mm. you'll love this. If you didn't like Castle Panic, you wanted more out of it, you will love this because that idea, as Sam says, that actually time is the measurement of this game, and each move you make as a player counts as an hour. You have seven hours each. You can push it, but that will cost you willpower points. And then once you've taken your turn at the top, beautifully detailed by Menzel in his illustrations. And the signpost in this game is brilliant. Everything you need to know is on the board. I, very rarely, if any, I don't, I don't think we ever, ever go back to the rules because everything's no. every mission is a deck of cards. And you know how part of the charm of a game like Pandemic Legacy is the fact you've got these boxes. Oh, gosh, I wonder what's going to be in that box when we get to that. Mm-hmm. This is almost this is just as interesting, but it's almost the opposite. You don't have anything in little boxes. You've got all these pieces, and you're looking at them going, I wonder when this is going to crop up. Is it going to yeah. be in our game, or will it be in a, f- a future quest? Um, there's pieces we haven't even got to yet, Sam. I know, the dragon. Yeah, there's a dragon coming up. <laughs> haven't got a clue how that's going to play, because it's in this deck <laughs> of cards. And, and every time we play it, there's there's still that sense for me that sense of excitement about going on a quest going on an adventure yes Mm. it's a puzzle but ostensibly the game has really good kind of flavor text on all of its cards that tell the story and each time you reveal a card it's the next next part of the story oh king brandall's son prince has what's his face forold has turned up oh gosh Mm -hmm. oh brilliant the big guns are here that's going to help us and you may be thinking well okay Five missions, what's the point? If once you've played all five, will you ever go back to it? And the answer is yes, because I would love to play it with you, Pete. I would love to play it with you, Dan. Mm-hmm. Because every person you play it with will create a different dynamic, not just based on the hero you choose, which has different player powers, but also a lot of the setup is predicated on dice rolls in where certain pieces are positioned. There's a deck of event cards that will change things in a whole myriad of different ways. Um, there's also a merchant you can buy gear from that can help you. So every, mm-hmm. I could imagine happily, particularly if I'm sampling it like a whiskey, I could happily just let it sit on my shelf and bring it out occasionally and go, oh, we need to play Andor. Yeah, let's play Andor. That'd be brilliant. And once again, it's like being a kid again. This kind of feels mm-hmm. like like a board game version of like an open world kind of video game. Like a board game version of your Assassin's Creed Odyssey where you can explore different areas and your con- things are constantly being revealed and... In in a different way to something like Pandemic Legacy, because I think that's more kind of your kind of your your telltale game kind of episodic kind of gaming experience. Whereas this strikes me, I mean maybe I'm maybe I'm misunderstanding, but it just strikes me as kind of like an open world exploration kind of objectives, doing different missions. Yes, in a way, but it's not as flexible as an open world. So if you go off bumbling around just to just to do some exploring which is perfectly valid, like like unveiling the fog of war, for example, to try and pick up some extra stuff or going around just chopping down enemies, the game will end. You will you will lose because every time you kill an enemy, the uh, narrator token moves up the track when it gets to a certain point, like the game will end. Or, choose your battles. Yeah, so you've got to really choose the battles that you're getting into or if you spend enough time away from the castle in the early missions, it will get attacked and you will lose the game. So... There is, there is this like sprawling world that is um, is open for exploration, but you have to, unlike an open world sort of video game, you have to be really careful in terms of where you actually spend that time, which is quite often like me and Chris have always lose a mission the first time we play it, and we always win it the second time because we kind of learn where those efforts need to be need to be spent. It's it's really really um, interesting and and the way it's sort of set out with that card system, the fact that the rule book is exceptionally slim for the amount of depth and interesting mechanics it it, it applies, makes it 
really easy to get into like it's one of the best tutorials i think i've ever yeah. played in a board game like you know when people say oh can we just play it to learn how to do it that's how you learn andor there is no other way there is no rule book to sit and read in bed for three nights in a row for andor there is just nothing you play the game to learn the game that's it's even got special tokens like tutorial tokens that you put on the board which set out the game and that's how you learn how to play it and i think feel like for for like again it feels like a, a really like genuinely nice family game like introducing that game to kids instead of like sitting down and going right we're playing this now you can't do this you can do this you actually play it to to explore it which is why i'm really excited today arrived a lovely package from cosmos mm. and in it includes the brand new legends of andor family edition um mm. so <laughs> i cannot wait i'm genuinely i'm genuinely excited to open it up and like find out what they what they've changed what how they've taken this core sort of idea and made it more appealing to families and i think it already mm-hmm. is it's actually designed by inca and marcus brand who designed the exit series for oh Cosmos. wow so um and also um encore as well the roll and write game so like that name a bit like names like Wolfgang Walsh and like Alexander Pfister and um, uh, Reiner Knizia, like that husband and wife couple is just one of those board gaming names that like immediately mm. steps off yeah. the page. And I'm like, I am interested in this, even though this is game age for like seven and up, like what is going on in Legends of Andor Family Edition. And on top of that, they've even released a game called Liberation of Reitberg, yeah. which is essentially, it's actually pitched at, do you want to play Legends of Andor, but you've only got 20 minutes? Here's Liberation of Reitberg. And it's actually all the iconography the same, all the tokens are the same, all the characters are the same, all the enemies are the same, but it's all centred around um, basically a, the, the the castle of Reitberg has been laid under siege and you've got to try and like free it. Like If Andor sounds like something you'd be interested in, but you're not sure about buying like such a big box start with Reitberg. If you like that, you'll get familiar with how it kind of works, the world it's kind of set in, and then you can go from Andor onwards. I'd happily own both, definitely, because yes, there's there's certain, as you say, there's certain similarities, not only just in terms of aesthetics, mm-hmm. but also that sense of the puzzle. That never gets old for me. And no. there's enough of a difference between the puzzles to interest me. Um, I think going back to the point you made about it being a bit open world, it is a little bit like that, Dan. In certain open world video games I've played, you'll sometimes find that the same building is used for multiple side quests. <laughs> and there is a little bit of it, like there's a great word for this, a palimpsest. It's where mm-hmm. a writing over writing, where, you know, Sam and I will retread the same ground, but in a different quest, quest it'll have a completely different meaning hmm. um, in that context. And there's something quite lovely about that fact. And again, that highlights the replayability of it. And Michael Menzel has just pulled off a great tour de force here, not only as a designer, as an illustrator. He's got a new game coming out this year, The Adventures of Robin Hood, which I'm mad keen uh, to play. I know very little about it, actually, mm-hmm. uh, but it is on my uh, to playlist, really. But yeah, I cannot recommend it enough. A wonderful surprise, two to four players. If you want to have that, d- dip your toe into fantasy, feel like you're a kid again, um you know i don't know i just don't know what it is it's just i like i always have a grin on my face i always look forward to setting it up it feels like that wonderful blend between a childhood video game you know you look at the box thinking oh i hope it's as good as it looks on the box and this is it really is and uh i can't recommend it enough really so that was staying in um we were all there this time again um chris darby Daniel Frost, Peter Willington, and myself, the birthday boy, um, Sam Turner. Thank you very much for listening to this show. If you want to find out a little bit more, then stayinginpodcast.com is our website. You'll find all the previous shows listed there, or you could just go to your podcast app of choice to find uh, another episode to listen to. If you're looking for another board game recommendation or a video game recommendation, then we have curated pages on Steam and Board Game Geek. If you'd like to ask us a question about something, maybe you're looking for a recommendation for a very specific book or film or video game or board game, then please just get in touch with us, stayinginpod at gmail.com. Um, or you can just reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Just search for at stayinginpod. 
As mentioned um, several times throughout the show, if you go to our Instagram page, Staying in Pod, then we've started to do some like little unboxing videos and like what we're playing videos and stuff like that. So we'd love it if you check those out, see if there's something that you'd like more of, and we'll do more of them. It's easy. That's how it works. Anyway, until next time, thank you so much again for listening. Please share this podcast with people that you like, colleagues, friends, family. Uh, All we're trying to do is trying to make staying in just a little bit more fun and interacting with your family and friends um, the best experience it can possibly be. So until next time, thanks very much. Bye-bye.